Well, welcome everybody back to The Basement Binge. This is a really, really fun episode that I'm very, very excited about. You saw the title, you clicked on it. We are starting off for the first time in my life, the Fast and Furious saga. And it's interesting. I assume that based off how it started, the whole thing's going to be interesting. But I thought that it wouldn't be appropriate to start the Fast and Furious movies without my own respective podcast family, because apparently that's what these movies are all about. So I brought in Matt and Rob from Matt Goes to Movie. I'm going to give them both a chance to introduce themselves here before we get started. So Matt, take it away, and then Rob, follow up right after him. Hi, uh, Harrison. Thank you so much. Um, I like that little podcast family remark, because, yeah, that's that's what these Fast and Furious movies are all about. They're about family. But I'm super excited to be here, as Harrison said. Uh, I am Matt from Matt Goes to the Movies. and that is a podcast that Harrison has plugged up and down, which I really appreciate. Uh, my inspiration came from Harrison for Matt Goes to the Movies. So I always enjoy being able to be on here with him and uh, and give back. Um, hopefully, to what I give back, I hopefully give back something um, to for him. So uh, thank you, Harrison. You bet. Rob, the floor is yours. Yeah. So uh, I'm Rob. And uh, catch me uh, as the uh, I'm the video producer for Matt Goes to the Movies. I am the original super fan of Matt Goes to the Movies, <laughs> and uh, and a frequent guest host on the show. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to be able to talk about this movie. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you invited us on to talk about it. Um, you know, we certainly love doing sh- episodes with you, so it's fun to uh, to do one all three of us uh, on your channel. Yeah, yeah. For those of us listening for a while, Matt was on. Actually, two episodes prior to this, he was on the Bumblebee episode and the Valerian episode, which were both super fun. And then I've been on Matt's show a ton with Rob as well. We did the WandaVision series. We did the Mandalorian season two, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I tried to plug a bunch because those episodes were super duper fun to record. And I had so much fun with the two of you. So I figured it was finally time to get the two of you here on this episode. So it should be fun. And I'm also glad that you're here because I don't think that I could talk about this movie interestingly on my own uh this is interesting so we'll get started here with the very first segment listeners you know it's two cents it is two minutes of uninterrupted time to give kind of your knee-jerk reaction spoiler free thoughts so this is all spoiler free and then of course we'll get into the spoilers um i'm gonna go last i'm actually gonna let rob start and rob i will let you know i actually have a timer at two minutes i'm bringing back the tradition of having multiple people on the show so the timer will go off, and I will cut you off in two minutes, so you got to get it in. Uh, but as soon as you start talking, the timer will start, and the floor is yours. All right, sounds good. Well, uh, man, Fast and the Furious, it's, uh, I'm, glad to, I'm glad you wanted to do this. I was excited when we first started talking about doing these because I hadn't rewatched this film in a while, and I was really excited to rewatch these and watch some of the later ones I hadn't seen yet. Uh, what a wonderful time capsule to the early aughts. I mean, if you had to describe what the late 90s into the early 2000s was like to somebody who didn't live it, you could use this movie to demonstrate it. It had the old TVs. Everyone had speakers in their trunk. Everybody had the upgraded wheels. Like, you drive around now, nobody's got subs in their trunk anymore. Nobody's got the aftermarket rims anymore. They had the flip phones, the industrial techno with crystal method. And as demanded by not a single person at any time, jaw rule was everywhere. And it's, it's just a great throwback um, to, to that time. And 
I, you know, I can remember when this was in theaters and people in the industry were talking about Vin Diesel as kind of the next big thing. And I was just trying to figure out if he forgot to drop his porn name before he flipped over to legitimate film. <laughs> and now he's one of the biggest bankable stars in Hollywood. Um, it, you know, if you say you hate this movie, I get it. If you say you love this movie, I also get it. It's ridiculous. It's fun. But if you pause this movie at almost any point and ask yourself, why is this happening? You won't often have an answer. <laughs> Well, you've got 43 seconds if you want to keep going, but that was a great two cents. <laughs> yeah, I think I got everything. Okay, all right. Hey, man, Rob is, I mean, he, he hit the NOS. He'd be the, he'd get in under two minutes. So. <laughs> uh, all right, Matt, all over to you. Yeah, you know, I'll kind of reiterate what Rob said. Being somebody who was kind of growing up when this movie came out, this is a time capsule that you would dig out of the ground to figure out what it was like the year that this movie came out. Um, it was super popular. And as these movies go along, you can say whatever you want about them. I still think the first one holds, you know, a lot of charm actually to it. It's ridiculous. And there's a lot of things that don't make sense, but it still has charm. They found a group that works together. And I think some of the themes in this movie, which are family and things like that, and you stick by each other. I think there are some relatable things in this movie that I can enjoy and that you actually can look at. So I enjoy this movie for what it is. There's certainly some things like Rob said that if you ever stop to go, well, why does two plus two equal potato? You're probably the <laughs> this movie is. <laughs> Man, well, Matt got it in even quicker than Rob in under a minute. So I guess I'll round out the two cents here, which I honestly don't even know what to say. This is my first time ever watching any Fast and Furious movie, period. Uh, I watched, actually, I'll save that for, for to live up. But this movie is just weird. Like I genuinely, I've watched like the first half of it like weeks ago and then I just ran out of time and didn't have a chance to finish it and I just had like no desire to come back because I was like I honestly don't get like what was happening like it, it just switches tones all over the place and then like there's like car chases or car races shoved in there every once in a while they're like edited to oblivion <laughs> but it but the entire time I was like yeah I can totally get why people watch this and also at the same time asking myself why in the world would anyone watch this? Like, how has this movie made this much money and led to so many sequels? So I mainly just have tons of questions about it because I don't get it. I didn't experience this in the 2000s. I'm not a car person. Like, am I just not in the demographic for this? I don't know. I, ha I have no idea. But, and I will say that, pro that I just, yeah, it, this movie is so weird. I don't know how to talk about it without spoilers besides just I genuinely was just kind of in shock constantly by what was happening with the story and how things were constantly changing and escalating. And I was like, is there something that I'm not getting or is this just as bonkers as it actually is? Um, so yeah, I guess we'll get into it. My two cents wasn't even two minutes either. I guess it's just kind of hard to talk about this movie completely spoiler-free. So we'll get into the spoilers here. But before we do, because this is one of the few group episodes we do have here on The Basement Binge, and I'm super excited to have Matt and Rob with me. We're going to have a new segment a brand new segment and we have voted on the name for rummage for the rotten in essence we're going to take turns guessing who we think is going to be the person who ranks it the least out of five reels to carry over matt's tradition from his 
Matt goes to the movies. But that five out or that five reels rating will be given at the very, very end of the episode. And whoever was correct guessing the rotten is the winner of the episode and they win a virtual high five. I don't know. They win something that I haven't figured out yet. So my my rotten that I was going to pick and the rules of this is you can pick anyone, including yourself. You're just trying to find the person who you think is going to like it the least. I think I'm going to guess based off the two cents because the two cents kind of gave things away. I think Rob is going to be the rotten, but genuinely, I don't know because my opinion isn't totally formed about it yet. So yeah, Rob is my guess. <laughs> um, I actually think, Harrison, I think you're going to like it least. Um, and I'm going to guess that Matt likes it the most. <laughs> I, uh, I will second Harrison. I think maybe uh, he, will, he will be the rotten. And I, I don't think it's for anything terrible. I just think he made a very good point during his two cents about Harrison. You were not like seeing this movie later and not having anything to do with it when it first came out, I think helps this movie. Like in terms of like viewing for somebody who saw it when all of this was going on. And this was the craze to do this with your car. So somebody like never seeing it and trying to watch it for the first time, I think your view of it is probably a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, I, I really think that like context is a huge thing here because like what this movie came in 2000, so I was like three years old. So like the closest thing I had to a car was that little tykes thing that you pedaled with your foot like Fred Flintstone. So I, I think that I'm just like totally outside of the culture around it. You know, funny story. I rewatched Spy Kids earlier today, which like I feel like this movie and Spy Kids kind of like fit in the same thing where like they are not great movies, but they are so fun if you were in the demographic at the time. I would guess. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. I guess I've got two votes. Rob's got one. Uh, I kind of, I'm with you guys. I thought I was going to like it the least, but I just didn't want to vote for myself. So uh, I've, got, I've got two and a half and Rob has got a half. There we go. So we'll, you will have to wait until the end of the episode to see if they were right, if I'm the rotten or if it was Rob or if it was an upset and it was Matt and we were all sharks. So um, before we move on into the spoiler section of this episode and into the next few segments, I just wanted to give Matt a minute to give some announcements about his show. Matt goes to the movies and plug it. It's going to be linked in the show notes. It is a great show. It is tons of fun. Um, I just got to say that the listening to Matt and Rob, even before I developed this friendship with him, felt like listening to two friends. I recently listened to their uh, Mortal Kombat episode, which I haven't even seen that movie. I doubt I ever will, just out of time. But listening to the two of them was a great time and was like the only way that I made it through like the pile of dishes that I had to do. So. They it's just a great time to listen to any episode that they put out. So super quick announcement here for the basement binge, and then I'll turn the time over to Matt. Again, as always, leave a review on podchaser.com for a chance to win a free screen pass through movies anywhere through like the 86 movies I have available or whatever. So podchaser.com slash the basement binge. Also, you can review Matt's show, which will be linked below. But Matt, the floor is yours for a minute. Talk about or announce whatever you want. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, it's it's always a blast. I mean, obviously, like you said, I listened to your show back when it was a trio show and then you switched over to just you. But there was something just like very easygoing about your episodes that I really liked listening to. Um, and that's you. That's kind of rare for me, because especially with podcasts, I have a hard time sitting down and listening to some things because my mind just kind of wanders. But with yours, I could always just sit down and listen to it. So I, I always appreciate the kind words there. But 
You know, with Matt goes to the movies, uh, the one thing that I really want to talk about is, I mean, guys, it starts tomorrow. Loki premieres and me, Harrison and Rob, just like we did with WandaVision, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, we will be reviewing Loki uh, on Thursdays, which I am super excited about. I watched the latest trailer and was even more excited. Uh, I was w- wishing I had a time stone myself so that I could jump forward and watch all these episodes. Um, so we'll be doing those episodes weekly. I also do have my review for Spiral from the Book of Saw coming out. And then I will also be doing a solo episode for The Dark Knight, which will come out in about two weeks time from today, which is as we're talking June 8th. So that'll be around the, you know, the third week of June that that'll be coming out. So that's what's going on on this show. I'm very excited for that. If, again, longtime listeners of the show and who know Matt and know the Bumblebee episode he was on where like I spent like 40 minutes just picking his brain about movies and not even talking about Bumblebee, he mentioned, and I've never forgotten this, that he likes Batman Begins more than The Dark Knight. And so I was very excited for that episode. I'm, man, you heard it here first. I'm, I'm pumped for that episode. So in the tradition of where we have a guest on the show for the first time, before we continue with the episode, I'm gonna, Matt has already had this grueling exercise in movie trivia and, and questions. Rob, it is now your turn for me to ask you some questions about your personal movie taste. So, so first question. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. You can answer them as shortly or complexly as you want. Uh, what is your favorite movie? Who is your favorite director and favorite genre? But the first question is, why do you like movies? What is it about movies that makes you love them? Um, you know, the movies are, are one of those things that help you transport back to, you know, different periods of your life. Um, when I think about some of the films that I love the most, um, it's, it's really hard for me to actually just answer that. Um, you know, Matt has told the story before, but uh, I, I actually interviewed Matt and, and Matt actually used to work for me for a period of time before. Now, you know, we do kind of the same job. Um, and one of the questions I ask in an interview is what's your favorite movie? Because I can tell a lot about a person and their personality uh, by how they answer that question. Um, I know a lot about you as a person um, when when we start talking about movies. You know, when, when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to why I love movies, there's a great way to become new friends or when you're in a new group of people to find out the people that you're going to be able to hang out with, the people that you're going to become friends with when you're put into a new situation. All you got to do is start talking about movies. You know, you find, you start talking about Star Wars a little bit, you find the Star Wars nerds and bam, instant friends. You know, when you start talking about the MCU, you find people who are really into the MCU, bam, instant friends. And and you can, you can develop this friendship. You know, uh, you think about, um, you know, Harrison, you know, we've never met in person, 
it's possible we might someday, you know, as these restrictions get lifted. But, you know, just over our love of movies or over the Internet, you know, we can form friendships like that with, with other people. And, um, you know, it's, it's really uh, it, it's just there's so many wonderful things about film that, that do that for me. Um, favorite movie is so hard to answer, though, because I have like three. <laughs> I love I love Endgame because, man, 23 films. You know, 22, I guess, because Spider-Man was in 23rd. But 22 films to be able to tell that story. Uh, a three-and-a-half-hour movie that it took 23 films and, and 11 years or whatever it is to be able to tell that story. We'll never see it again. Um, so just, just on the sheer weight of what it did and the emotion behind it. Um, I'm also really attached to The Big Lebowski uh, because it was a huge film. Or friends of mine in college, uh, I'd never seen it before. They were obsessed with it. They introduced it to me, and and um, you know it just became part of my college experience. Um, and Goodfellas, because uh, how do you not like Goodfellas? Um, it's a, it's probably the most fascinating and compelling, interesting true story adaption into a film you'll ever find. Um, most true stories aren't actually that interesting, um, but man, just the lines, the performances, I can't get enough. So. Yeah, it's, I just can't, I cannot narrow it down to one, I'm sorry. Well, that's okay, those are all great picks. So, and I also have to say, before you continue with the other, the other questions, that answer to why you love movies is one of the best I've ever heard, so great answer. Anyway, so the last two are favorite director and favorite genre, and then just anything else you want to talk about movies or any, any particular hot take you have or whatever you want to say. Um, so favorite director, uh, much to you guys' surprise, is not Ryan Johnson. The last year I wasn't good. Um, I figured we could do that on this show too, right? We don't we don't just do that on that show. We could do that on this too. Okay, yes, good. Just want to yes, make sure. crossover. <laughs> um, you know, favorite director. I, I love Tarantino. Um, I think I I've not seen a film of his where I've come away going, "Ooh, that was bad." You know, he, he goes way over the top at times, and and it's crazy, and I love it. I could watch Kill Bill one and two. Anytime it was on, I can I can watch almost anything he's put out almost any time it's on. Um, and favorite genre, um, you know, I, I went through a period of time where kung fu movies were everything to me. Uh, but I'm going to say in general action. Um, if it's if it's, uh, I, I was uh, quick story about me. I, I thought I was going to be a stuntman for about four or five years of my life in college, and then shortly after college, I that's that's what I was working towards. So. Um, anything that puts, you know, folks like that to work and people get lit on fire and jumping through buildings and stuff like that, you know, is, is something that uh, I'm a big fan of because, uh, it's really hard to do and make it look good. So, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, good action films. Great, great picks. I'm, I also sucker for action films. So two follow-up questions, favorite Kung Fu movie, or it doesn't have to be your favorite, but a good, a good Kung Fu movie that you want to recommend to all the listeners. And then a good action movie with good stunt work that you would recommend. Um, so, uh, one of my all-time favorites, uh, I, I was going through a period of time where I was watching like every Jet Li movie you could find, um, Fist of Legend. It's a, it's a remake mm. of a Bruce Lee film, but Fist of Legend is, the opening scene is brutal. It is, the, the choreography is incredible. Um, it is some of the most creative and brutal, uh, uh, Kung Fu fighting you'll see in a film. Um, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's, it's gently kind of at the height of his powers, you know, before he became a U.S. star. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's just, I can watch it anytime I want. The music's great. Um, it's a good, it's a good time. Um, and favorite action movie, you know, 
it's funny because uh, spoiler, I've got this as, as a binge point later. Um, there's a there's an actor in here who also appears in uh, the Transporter film. Um, I absolutely love the fights in that movie too. I love I love most of uh, the action scenes in that movie. Some of the most creative things I've ever seen. Um, absolutely love it. All right, great recommendations. Yeah, go check all those out. Rob has got some good taste. You can tell a lot by what type of movie someone's likes to use his own words against him. So we will move on to the next segment, Pick Your Poison. But again, because it's been so long for Matt, I want to give him a chance to just rapid-fire answer those same questions. So favorite movie, you can just pick one. doesn't have to be your absolute favorite. Uh, favorite director, favorite genre, and then a good movie that you would recommend. Uh, so I just want to point out, being Rob's friend, his actual favorite movie is Herbie Fully Loaded with Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> um, but... I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put that out there. Um and that better be us episode. Don't edit it out. Um but, but so uh my favorite movie is always going to be the same thing. It is the Breakfast Club. Uh that will never change. Uh even if I lose my memory, I would still remember that that's my favorite movie. Uh favorite director is Carpenter, and a movie that I would recommend is I actually, if you've never seen it, there's two. And I mentioned it, Harrison, on a previous episode. Uh, the first one would be Equilibrium. I absolutely love that movie. That was sort of, that was actually some of the Matrix before the Matrix was actually released in theaters. And I'll just keep with Jet Li. If you've never seen this movie, it's wacky, but it's fun. Uh, it's called The One with Jet Li. All right. Yeah. Equilibrium. I remember Matt recommended that because of Christian Bale. And I forgot to watch it after he recommended it. So this is the second rendition from him. So now I have no excuse. Anyway, back to just jump in for a second, though. You know, I know Matt's going to be talking about another Christian Bale Batman movie. I can remember um, a time where he was announced as the next Batman for Batman Begins. And I was having a conversation with somebody who worked down the hall from me. And I said, I don't know how I feel about that. And he said, he actually worked at a movie store. Back when movie stores were a thing, like you would actually go to a store and you would pay money and you'd walk out with a movie as opposed to just hit a button or ask Google to play it for you. And um, he said, you have to watch Equilibrium. Once you've seen Equilibrium, you will know that Christian Bale can be Batman. So I bought the movie and I went home and I came back in the next day and I said, yup, you're right. All right. Well, now I'm going to watch it this week. So. That's for sure going to happen. I'll, I'll have to text you guys what I think. So, all right. Well, I'm very excited to get into actually talking about the Fast and the Furious. I just had to give Rob and Matt that chance because I love to pick people's brains about movies, especially when they're a guest on the show because that's what this is all about. So now that spoilers are full-fledged in effect here, we're going to move on to the next segment, which is Pick Your Poison, which is the unique rating system that I made up for the Basement Binge, which instead of a five reels things, which we will do at the end, um, it was how are you going to interact with this film after this watch that you had or the last time you watched it, whenever it was. So it's four options that are pretty simple to never watch it again. Very straightforward, self-explanatory. The next option just above that is to stream it. And this is the idea where it's on a streaming service that you're already subscribed to. And there's just kind of like a hole or like a, an opening in your content consumption where you're just looking for something to watch. And so you just kind of watch it almost just like, half mentally watch it if that makes sense uh above that is to rent it you know in the right circumstances you'd be willing to pay a few dollars to watch it and then at the top of the list very simple is to buy it drop the dough 
watch it as many times as you want. So, Matt, I'll let you go first. What is your poison that you're going to pick? So, my poison, it's going to have a small asterisk. So, my poison would be buy it, but because I will buy this series once we get to Fast 10, and this saga is over. Um, It's something that I feel I have to own just growing up with this set of movies. So, I would say, but as an individual movie, it's, it's a stream. If you have a streaming service, you can throw it on. It's not horrible, uh, but eventually I will buy this as a series when everything is said and done. Yeah. All right. Rob? Uh, it's streaming for me. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of zany. You know, there's not a lot of times in my life I'm probably going to feel the need to rewatch it. Um, if you've never seen it, it's absolutely worth it. Um, but am I going to, you know, I, I'm so far behind on so much media and entertainment that I want to consume. That to think about <laughs> going back and rewatching things uh, that I haven't already, other than Herbie, like Herbie fully wrote, I'm gonna watch it every time I can. Um, but to try to think about, you know, purposely going back and rewatching something that I've already seen uh, somewhat recently, um, this wouldn't be one of them. So it's a stream it. All right. Good picks. I think that I'm in line with that. It's, it's a stream that could potentially change as the series continues. I'm kind of like Matt, where there, if there's a series or franchise that I really like, I kind of just have this urge to buy the whole thing. And I almost did. I almost bought this this series, like, you know, the seven films that are already out or however many there are, uh, for these episodes. And then I was like, nah, I don't know if I'm going to like them yet. So I just borrowed them from my sister-in-law um, and I'm using her copies. So it's like a stream it as of right now for this individual film with a potential buy based off how the rest of the series goes, uh, which I'm still totally confused about. We're going to get into that in, an, in the new last segment. Instead of fall in, for listeners of the show, instead of fall in where we're going to talk, where I normally would talk about the meanings or messages of this film, we're going to talk, there's a new segment. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the saga, the fast saga. So there's our, we're poisoned, we picked it. Moving on to the next segment, and because this is a film that I have never seen before, we get the section, or we get the segment, Live Up. So this is where we talk about expectations going into the film, what I thought about it, if it lived up to my expectations, and I'd also love to hear Matt and Rob's thoughts, you know, what was their first time seeing the movie? Did they see it in theaters? You know, whatever, whatever. So my expectations going in were like 100% influenced by watching the Fast 9 saw or trailer whenever it came out a few months ago. I remember the three of us were texting, and someone mentioned how crazy it was, one of the two of you. So I watched it, and I was like, this is just bonkers. Like, what the heck is this? Uh, and so then I was like, okay, like, I, like this looks so ridiculous that it looks fun. Um, so I want to know what this is, so I probably should watch the whole thing before I just watch the ninth one in a few months. So then I threw out on an episode, I don't remember which one, if I should watch the episodes, and, and Matt and Rob were both like, yes, you should do the Fast Saga for the podcast. So then I borrowed the, the, the DVD, and I put it in, and I was just, I was ready for it to be whatever it was. So did it live up to my expectations? Yeah, because I was expecting it to involve cars and, like, 2000-era stuff, some skanky women, and uh, bad editing. And it had all of those things. And so I was like, yeah, this is what I expected. But it, like, totally fits into this, like, something that I totally get why it was loved when in in his prime. So did, yeah, it, it lived up to ex, it, my very low expectations and not that that's a bad thing. I just, 
I was expecting it to be what it was. You know, I wasn't going to McDonald's ex- and expecting it to be home cooking, if you get what I mean. So um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, Rob, I'll let you go first this time. What was, you know, you're the, either the first to- time you watched this film or, or kind of your expectations now? Just what was it? What, what is it, your interaction with this film for the first time like? So the first time I had seen it, it was a very, very long time ago. It was shortly after it came out. I didn't see it in theaters because to me, I was like, what, what is this? Like, I don't, I don't know who these people are. Um, and I wasn't sure that, um, you know, cause I, I kind of made fun of people that spent a lot of money on, you know, they would, they would buy a Honda Civic for 3000 dollars with 200,000 miles on it. And then put $15,000 worth of aftermarket stuff in it. Like to me, I was like, what? just spend spend that money on like a Camaro or something like that, that already goes fast. Like I, I always <laughs> thought that was kind of dumb. Um, so I didn't really have like a, a burning desire to see it when it first came out. Um, and I, and I saw it and it was like, this is, this actually exceeded my expectations. This was, this was kind of fun. Um, hadn't seen it in a long time. So I was really excited to, uh, that you were going to cover this. Cause I was like, Hey, this gives me, like I said, I don't have a lot of time to rewatch stuff I've already seen. And I kind of wanted to rewatch this just to remember, um, and, and then catch up on some of the other ones that I haven't seen yet. Um, it, it wasn't, wasn't as good as I remember it, but it's it, in some ways it was better than I remember it. You know, there's, there's definitely seeds that were planted um, that this could grow into something, but I would have never guessed in a million years that this franchise has become as bankable as it is. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's its own cinematic universe. You know, it's got Hobbs and Shaw now, like, it's you know it's a cinematic universe i never would have guessed in a million years that that would happen and that vin diesel would be this mega star that he is interesting all right matt yeah when again you know when this first came out there was certainly there was a lot of hype behind it but i didn't really have any like huge expectations for it because when I was growing up when this movie was coming out, I wasn't super into cars. Like I was not that, you know, kid or young adult like, that was into cars or anything like that. Like I just I didn't care. So you know it was hmm, Vin Diesel's it. I really had liked the movie Pitch Black, which he starred in. I was like obsessed with that movie. I thought it was fantastic. So I was like, well, let me give this a run because of Vin Diesel. I wasn't really at the time aware of anybody else like Paul Walker and things like that. So it was just, well, I'll go do it because it's a movie and it's supposed to be, you know, interesting and supposed to do good at the box office. And I'm always curious. I was, you know, back then I was so curious about those things. So, you know, did it live up to my expectations? Yeah, because I didn't really have any for it. Kind of like you said, Harrison, I wasn't expecting too much from it. Uh, I went to see it just because it was there and I wanted to see what all the hype was supposedly about with having my own uh, my own opinion on what I was looking for. So, again, I still think this movie, I still think there's good things about this movie, but it might also be because of going through the whole saga and looking back on some of the characters that started and having certain feelings of where they were now in terms of going to the Fast 9 saga. So I think this movie, it's the whole franchise and not rate some of the things in this movie. Yeah, I think it would definitely be interesting for me to look back on this film after 
you know, five even, you know, because I I know a little bit about the fifth one. So it, from what the two of you have seen, this kind of seems like this was a film that like no one was expecting. No one really had interested in until it like became a thing. Like it, the, trying to talk to individuals who like this film, who grew up with the film, which I definitely did not. It, it's so interesting to hear them talk about. I, there was an individual in my neighborhood who I grew up with who, who was a lot older than me. And he was one of those guys that still to this day gets those basic cars and then soups them up and makes them like super fancy looking and, and all that stuff that I know absolutely nothing about. So it, trying to talk to these people about it, it's so interesting how the love of it kind of came from the culture of cars and how that seemed to be like a really common thing at the time of the culture. Like I'm just found out in my research for this film that it's based off a magazine article called Racer X. Uh, I'm going to link that below. I haven't read it yet, but I'm definitely going to read it. Like what the heck? And it just seems like this was like a cultural thing that a lot of people could get behind. And then suddenly it just became a thing and just kind of like evolved in, with time into something kind of ridiculous and zany. Uh, but like in 2000, this movie made $200 million on a $38 million budget. Like $200 million is a lot of money for a movie to make, especially an original film, but especially in 2000. Like that, like it's kind of amazing to me that this let, went on to later make so many sequels uh so yeah it, it's it kind of lives up to its own legacy of just being something that just kind of is weird and came out of nowhere but has this strange love for it because it's just so weird and and yeah it's we're gonna talk about this more later because it just fascinates me like why do people go see the fast and furious movies like up until now i've never been interested in a single one and so many people go see them like this is one of the most successful franchises ever Anyway, I'm getting off topic because I'm so interested to talk about that, but we'll get to that at the very end. We will move on to the next segment if neither of you have anything else to say about Live Up or expectations or how this film came to be or anything like that. Well, when it crosses over with Transformers, um, then it will make all the money because that's a legit thing. <laughs> I'm not making that up. That's a legit thing the studio is, is trying to get off the ground. Wow. I am not surprised. Don't get me wrong. I claim to be the defender of Michael Bay. So this is coming this summer next month. I'm going to be tackling the Transformers series to talk about why I love them. And maybe this is like my fast and the Transformers is like my fast and furious or whatever. But I, I think about those movies logically. Why have those movies made so much money? Why have these fast and furious movies made so much money? I don't know. But I think that if they combined, you know, it, it would literally just print money as Rob likes to say. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which i mean i guess that's culture i don't know crazy so rob do you have any other thoughts uh, no, good. all right we will move on to the next segment then which is bench points so these are just easter eggs details general trivia behind the scenes stuff or just anything else we mentioned that doesn't fit into any of the other segments um i kind of threw one in there with live up but i i found out that this film was based off a magazine article called racer x and i'm just so intrigued to read that um, but I've got some other uh, bench points here, but I want to give you the chance, the two of you, to throw in any any bench points you have. So it's more, it's not really a bench point, but I think it's interesting. When you said, you know, this movie made $200 million, which back then was a lot of money, especially on the budget. And this movie was so big and was so that 
it's single-handedly the money that this movie made was the reason that Vin Diesel is not in the second movie because he thought he was going to be really the next big action star. Um, so Harrison, it'll be really funny to see you watch Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, out of Diesel's all- not in it. No, spoiler <laughs> alert for you. So yeah, no. Um, this he thought that okay, I don't need this franchise anymore, which is really funny because now it's like it's his creative baby. Um, and he protects this thing so much. But yeah, he was not going to be into the second one. Um, because this movie was such a huge hit that he thought, well, I I'm going to just move on to other things. So I always found that fascinating, especially to see how he came back and why that's another binge point for another episode of why he eventually came back to the franchise because it originally has nothing to do with the franchise. So, you know, little foreshadowing for some future episodes, but I always like that point that he left this franchise. That is so crazy. I had no idea. Hey, this is this this series gets weirder by the second. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you really want to see something weird, pull up uh, Vin Diesel's filmography. It's pretty much Fast and Furious movies, uh, Chronicles of Riddick or Pitch Black. You know, Triple X, and and you know his role as Groot. Like that's what he spent almost his entire career doing is playing those same characters, more or less. Um, you know, look, he's found his lane and he and he's in it. Um, there's there's famously a story about his role in Saving Private Ryan that um, he was so unliked on set that Tom Hanks went to the director and and made them kill his character off early uh, so they would get him off a set. Um, there's there's that story that floats around out there. Um, it, it's it's interesting, you know, to to kind of look back on his career. But you're right; he he definitely thought that this was going to be huge. And there's the the screenplay for Too Fast, Too Furious had to be rewritten when uh, they just simply couldn't come to terms with him. Um, by the way, Triple X is is not a great movie. For, no, if you haven't seen it, not not that fantastic. Um, but there's definitely characters uh, throughout this, you know, actors throughout this uh, this film that you'll recognize from other things. Um, I, I mentioned uh, um, a character that crosses over to transport Matt Schulz. He, you know, he's part of the crew, and uh, you'll recognize him as, as kind of one of the, the lead thugs in uh, in Transporter as well. And then there's also this this funny little thing. This actually floats around online a lot. Uh, there's an actor, uh, Noel, uh, and I'm not going to pronounce his last name right, but Google me, I think. Uh, he plays the character of Hector in this movie, and he is credited as playing a character named Hector in like five or six other movies or more that I was able to find <laughs> in IMDb. Dude gets he gets typecast as the same guy in, in every film. It's just it's one of those things that I think is funny. <laughs> That's great. I I was looking at Vin Diesel's filmography, and uh, apparently he's in Avatar too, coming up. So. Whatever, but it really is just the Fast and Furious movies, which is so weird because everyone literally knows who Vin Diesel is. And it's so interesting how, like, this became the bread and butter for so many people involved. Like, outside of Vin Diesel, I literally had no idea who any of these people are. I don't think I've seen them in anything else. The only reason that I know who Paul Walker is is because... (coughs) Excuse me. Is because of when he passed away, sadly... Like, everyone knew who Paul Walker is now. Uh, so it's, it's interesting, the cast behind this and how much, like, this is their thing and, like, this is all they do and, like, apparently that's all they need to do. 
Super interesting. So uh, I'll throw another binge point in here. This just more has to do with the production of the film. I just, I think these race scenes and the logic behind these race scenes are just absolutely hilarious, Uh, particularly that first street race where Paul Walker's character, Brian, races and the floor of his car falls out. Like, what the crap is happening (laughs) there? Uh, I was researching that scene, and apparently this is the logic behind it that I think is hilarious. So apparently the first street race is a quarter mile, taking approximately 10 seconds. But in the film, it's about three minutes long, and the vehicles are driving at speeds of 150 miles per hour, which is faster than even the 1,200 horsepower Bugatti Veyron can accomplish in a quarter mile. <laughs> so like the, like the logic is just thrown out the window. Additionally, in that race scene, there's over 15,000 individual sound effects. Like, what the heck? That, the, those, that poor editor. Uh, 15,000 sound effects. I just, I'm blown away in, in that specific thing, researching the, the, the ideas that went into that. But I think that it like totally defined its own genre. Like, I think if I was in the right demographic, if I was a car person and I was, you know, in my teens, uh, early 20s, seeing this movie in 2000, that would be like the coolest scene I've ever seen in, in any movie ever, uh, even with its absurdities. So it's interesting how, like, it's absolutely ridiculous, but totally works at the same time. Yeah, it's, again, it's almost like the perfect storm of ridiculousness is how I would describe this series. Um, One other thing that I find actually really funny, Harrison, is two characters in this movie, two real-life people, uh, didn't even have driver's licenses for this movie and it was michelle rodriguez and jordana brewster um but you know i guess Wait, what they, do they need they couldn't drive well they didn't the... they had yeah they didn't have driver's licenses or learner permits when this movie started production that's ridiculous what the heck how can you be in a car movie and not have a driver's license I, whatever i guess it's hollywood i don't make yeah, movies. right exactly right exactly it was like eh, whatever <laughs> interesting um yeah those are kind of all the bench points i had it, i mean i didn't have a ton of time to research the film but most of it is just about like car stuff which if i were to try and explain it uh i think everybody on the internet would take away my man card because i like i know how to fill up the gas tank and change the oil like that's like i can change brakes actually i learned how to do that a few years ago but other than that i know absolutely nothing about a car so yeah i don't i don't have any other bench points unless the two of you do uh, the only thing I would say is, you know, you were kind of saying how it, perhaps if you were a car guy, this movie would have hit you a little bit different. I actually think if you if any of us were like super car people, we would probably not like this movie because of how fast and loose they play with the physics and uh, just how things just don't work that way in real life in general. You know, even something as simple as, you know, that opening scene. And actually they do it later in the film as well when the Honda Civic goes underneath the um, the, the the big rig and goes underneath the trailer. Um, the way they had to film that scene is crazy because there has never been a vehicle low enough ever to make that, that trip underneath that, that will never happen. In fact, I'm fairly certain people have gotten hurt or possibly killed trying to do the same thing in real life because that rig had to be jacked way up off the ground. And, and of those civics that they use for it, they had to specially lower that one even further just to make that shot happen because it is absolutely not possible in real life will have never worked ever dang that it's crazy too how like there's like genuine stunts thrown in there like 
Like someone, a stunt person got in a super short car and drove underneath a semi multiple times for an extended distance. And then someone got in the whatever car it is at the end of the film in Dom's car and like launched it off a semi with like a pole sticking out the ground. And like, that was like a genuine thing that a stunt driver had to get in a car and do. And then we get like in the, in the same movie where those two things happen, there's also the scene where someone hits the NOS button and they go like light speed and then the floor of their car falls off. <laughs> like it's just, I don't know. There's no consistency and it kind of makes me love it even more for what it is. Uh, but yeah, th- this movie is weird. Uh, it is just weird. I I can't keep up with the the wackiness of it. So, uh, uh oh, other other binge point that I did have the scene where they're doing the street racing at the beginning and the pizza delivery man is like blocked off from the race. That's the director, Rob Cohen. He he included himself as a, as a upset pizza delivery guy. So, are there there any other? Oh, actually, one other one that I had written down here in my notes. I'm not like Matt. I actually have to check my notes. But uh, Paul Walker actually chose to join this film because of a different film that he saw where he liked the role of an undercover cop and thought it was a cool idea, and he thought it'd be fun to portray that type of character. And that was like his sole reason for signing on to this film. And I feel like that was the weakest part of the entire film. (laughs) Like... it's funny to me, like I, I, I especially assume in retrospect, I don't know, you guys can spoil it for me, I don't care too much. I imagine that that characteristic of him is probably totally dropped for the rest of the films. I'm guessing, I'm totally taking assumptions here, but it's funny that that was like his sole reason for signing on to the film when like, I don't even feel like that was a defining characteristic from him. Like when I think of the character of Paul Walker, even at, just after one movie, I don't think of him as an undercover cop. Like I think of him as like a, a dumb street racer who wants to make it with the big guys. guys. So... Well, wait until two. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm kind of excited for that now. So, all right. Well, if there are no other binge points, then we will move on to the second to last segment here, which is least and like. So, this is where we'll talk about our least favorite scene and our favorite scene. We'll go in a circle here. We'll start with our least favorite scene, and then we'll we'll all take turns, and then we'll go through our favorite scene. I will go first with my least favorite scene, and then we'll go Rob and then Matt, and we'll stay in that order for the favorite scene. So my least favorite scene is, like, there's this scene when it's, like, in the middle of the movie when all the cops and, like, all those SWAT teams go in and storm the house of, like, the Asian people. I'm sorry. I don't know their names. I I'm horrible with names, but like, and then there's that random scene where Dom and his girlfriend, whatever her name is, she like yanks off his shirt and they start making out in the garage and it's like all montage together. And then there's like a random close up of Paul Walker's eyes through goggles. And I was like, this is just like, really? <laughs> like you have to, this is like 20 minutes of the movie that you just got to include in here that I just, I did. I, I felt like it could have been accomplished uh, way better than that. And I was just, I was like, it's one of those things that, like, you think you could enjoy the ridiculous of it, but it was, like, too ridiculous. Like, oh, come on, really? Like, so, yeah, that, that would be my least favorite scene. I won't rap on it too much because it's it just fits within the consistency of the Fast and the Furious, but that would be my least favorite. So, so Rob, what's your least favorite? Uh, least favorite scene for me, um, pretty much that whole opening street race scene. Um, there's a line specifically that is so bad. Um, Paul Walker says, I take the cash and the respect when he's setting his car. Um, and, and I'm just sitting there rewatching this going, who writes this dialogue? 
Because this entire scene feels like it was written by a bot with just fed early 2000s fake bravado. Just that it was it was not written by a real person because real people do not talk this way. Like real people do not do the things that happen. Like the, the girl walks up the jaw rule and she's like letting them letting them feel her up and like, oh, yeah. And if you win, you get this, too. And points to her friend. And I'm like, this is not how real people talk. This conversation has never once happened in real life ever. Like nothing in that whole scene makes any sense um, at all. It's it's just terrible, and it's it's seen it's 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 seen breakingly bad. Like it's suspension of disbelief bad. You become aware you're watching a poorly written scene in a poorly written movie, and you can't even just enjoy the ridiculousness and the lack of any attention to detail with physics uh, for the rest of the film when, when that scene's on. It, exactly. I'm actually glad that you brought that scene up. I kind of forgot about it. I think that that would be my least favorite as well, but it, it's funny that you bring it up how that's like not normal conversation. Corridor Crew, which is like a great YouTube channel that I recommend to everyone, they just came out with a video where they have a legitimate AI write them like a script for a video to make. And it like, when I was watching the movie, I was actually thinking about that Corridor Crew video. Like this feels like one of those episodes where an AI is writing all this dialogue. So yeah, funny that you made that comparison because I was literally the thought right on my head. So Matt, what's your least favorite? Yeah, I think really it, it has to be like that whole like opening because like, I mean, you sit there and you look at like the opening scene and for the most part, they, they get away from this, but you know, the whole opening scene is just, you know, it, it's girls wearing skirts that are basically the size of a napkin. Um, just <laughs> of like the girl walking up to Ja Rule, like he said. And then don't forget that like 30 seconds later when he presses a Nas button, he yells menage. Like, <laughs> it's so, like, it's all so ridiculous. And then also to the whole when he gets out of the car and Paul's like, dude, I almost had you. And Vin's like, you never had your car. And then the, I don't know, however many people somehow are there, like the 300 people that are watching this street race are like, Oh, he got you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's just so ridiculous. And it's like, it, it doesn't seem like it's grown men racing cars. Like it seems like it's somebody who, took the football away from you on the playground like it doesn't it doesn't add up so it's all just kind of like ridiculous but again looking back on it there's there's a certain charm to some of it agreed agreed so with that charm we'll transition into our favorite scene if i had to pick a favorite scene i think that it would be it's hard to pick one. It would either be the opening, like the the heist of the opening with, you know, it's like at night and the, the stealth Honda Civics and the car driving underneath the semi because I was like, what the heck? Like, this is a heist movie? Like, it just like genuinely, I was like, I thought this movie was about street racing. Like, now there's like this actually pretty decent heist with some pr pretty great stunts in here as well and some cool driving. So I really like that scene just because it was like really surprising. But I would say that I also enjoyed for the most part, the ending of the film, like I felt like, although I wasn't personally really connected to the characters, I felt like it actually brought some genuine motivation to the characters. And like so many people have joked about how 
the the Fast and the Furious franchise is only about Vin Diesel talking about family, like drinking a Corona to family. I've heard that joke forever. And like the end of this movie actually makes it feel like it has some legitimacy. Like, oh yeah, this like is about people choosing their family among these hoodlums in this crazy circumstance. And like it actually kind of brought it together in a way that I was not expecting, especially for the first film. Uh, so yeah, I, I pick between the two of those. It's a coin flip. So, Rob, back to you. Uh, you know, favorite scene for me um, towards the end. Um, <clears throat> Brian shows up at Dom's house, and he's on full-on Stockholm syndrome at this point. You know, where he's yeah. he's falling in love. I mean, the, these two characters share a bromance of epic proportions. That I'm going to tell you. If you, if for anyone who's listened to this, if you haven't seen it recently, go back and rewatch this movie and tell me you don't think that their relationship is more than just a bromance. Like it's, it's hard to not watch this movie and think there's more to it than just that. It's, it's so like especially the point where um, they're you know they pull up to the uh, the stoplight and they look over the dude in the Ferrari like. After that scene, I just expect one of them to look at the other one and, and cry and say, tell me how to quit you. Like, I just, I fully unexpected that. It just, it... so we get to the point where, you know, he shows up at Dom's house and he's got the shotgun and, and the, we get to drive by. And Brian has to make a choice at that point what to do. And he reacts as Brian, the friend of Dom, not Brian, the undercover cop who's there to bust Dom. He reacts in a way where he has to make a choice about what he's going to do in this situation. And he, he tracks those guys down and he shoots and kills one. Um, he then said, tells someone else to call 911. So he's back to sort of like cop mode. But, you know, you can see the flip for him where he's no longer on the job. Um, you can see what his choices are going to be like for the rest of the movie that he's been accepted into this. There's the word family. And he he values them more than anything. I think what's interesting is you never hear anything in this first film about Brian's past. Um, you never hear anything about any actual family members. You never hear anything about him having relationships or, or career aspirations. So his, at least in this first film, his background is is a clean slate. Um, you don't really know what he's actually walking away from by making these choices because it's going to be pretty tough for him to go back to the precinct after this. When he's literally just shot a man, more or less in cold blood, um, you know, I, I just I find that scene really compelling uh, from from kind of the point where he shows up, and it's like, are we doing this or not? You know, uh, dealing with that betrayal, um, you know, I, I like that scene. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I genuinely really like that scene. I. I was joking with the two of them before we started recording that I was running out of time, so I put the DVD in and I put it on fast forward with subtitles. And I was watching the movie with Nas, and uh, I got to the end, and this scene was happening, and I was like, "Oh, actually, this looks good. Like, I need to go back and rewind and watch it at normal speed," which I did, and and that's kind of why I have to pick the ending as my favorite in agreement with Rob, is I felt like it actually brought some emotion to the characters, and I understood how it could continue. Additionally, I actually felt like it was one of the few moments where. Paul Walker's character really balanced between the decision he was making with his family, as we keep saying, and also like the reality that he was a cop and he had training and kind of like instincts that rely on the training. I thought it was a good balance between the two. So yeah, I, I think we're in agreement, Rob. I think you planted me firmly in that away from the uh, initial opening. So Matt, the, the floor is yours. Cl- close us out here with your favorite thing. So I, I agree. I think mine starts a little bit back from that and it 
ties in where they are running the last heist and Vince gets shot. And Paul makes the decision to actually make the call to get this guy saved where you, I think that's actually a really good scene too, where you can tell the way he looks like when he takes his flip phone. Oh my God. A flip phone <laughs> takes out his phone though. He first, like if you ever watch that again, like and really look at it. Like he first looks at Dom, like I might like catch an ass whooping here for making this phone call, but I got to save this guy's life. And like, it's, it's got to happen now. Um, I actually think that's really good because I think you can see, I think Vin does a good job too of showcasing like how upset he is and how hurt he is by the fact that Brian has lied to him. Uh, because a lot of people in Dom's family told him you shouldn't trust this guy, especially Vince was like, this dude's a cop. Like, don't bring him in here. Um, so then to find out that he really was a cop, I thought that was really good. And then when you guys mentioned where Brian first shows up to the house, though, like he flat out tells Dom, Rob, like you said, he's made a choice before he gets on the bike, though. Like he told him, like, I haven't called the police and told them yet, but like, don't make me put the gun down. Like, let's talk about this. I can call the guys up. Like, it'll be over. Like, don't, like, don't make me cross this line because I haven't decided to yet. Like, I'm willing to, I'm willing to be your friend and I'm willing to, like, let this cop thing slide. I, I really do think there's actually some really good character moments in this movie um, between those, between these two characters. So it would be the nation of those two scenes, like, flowing together. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great pick. So, I, I totally agree with you, and I think that it definitely adds some uh, personal investment for the franchise going forward and actually has me believing in what people actually claim it is, where, you know, like I've said so many times, people always joke about how the Fast and Furious franchise is all about family and Corona beer. So I was expecting that to happen at, like, at number two, maybe number three, and to see it be kind of the closing of this first film, I'm I'm really kind of impressed with. So Rob's, or Matt's shaking his head, so maybe two and three are a mess. I have no idea. I haven't seen it. We'll find out. S subscribe to The Basement Binge for those episodes coming soon. Um, So we're going to get into the last segment here, which to kind of stick with the same name that was Fall In, where I normally talked about the, the messages and meanings, which we kind of ended up doing anyway, I changed it to Franchise Inquiry just to keep with the F.I. namesake, uh, but just kind of inquiring about how this film became a franchise and continues to be a franchise that genuinely makes boatloads of money. Like, there, there are very few franchises that have the longevity that this one does and have the cash appeal that this film does, uh, this franchise does, and I'm, I'm blown away by it. Like, Hobbs and Shaw is a branch off like anthology film in the Fast and Furious universe. Like that's a thing and it blows my mind. So I'm, I'm really, really interested, especially with your insights, the two of you, what is it like, like how did this one film, and, and of course that probably also owes to the films that follow after it, but what is it about this or the franchise that makes it so bankable? Why do people keep coming back? Let, let me ask it a better way. Why is it that people keep coming back to the Fast and Furious? Because I have no idea. <laughs> um, if I could interject, um, 
just with a quick thought. I think it's because after after a certain point, and I won't go into too many spoilers, because um, Harrison, you haven't seen it, but after a certain point, regardless of what it does, it does kind of reinvent itself. Um, and then it just gets so outlandish that I think the people that still watch this movie, I think you just appreciate the fact that it's like, yeah, none of the stuff that we do would ever happen in real life, but it just, uh, it's so bonkers that you just kind of have to, like, you have to see it. At least that's my perspective on it. And one thing, too, that I will say is the characters that they have brought in They've actually done a really good job. When you think about some of the people that have come into this movie, you know, well, the Datham, you have The Rock, you have Gal Gadot, you have all of these people that are very well known, but bring really, really likable characters and maybe one of the most likable of them all um, in Han, who actually I don't know anybody who doesn't like his character. I think he's the absolute best part of the third movie. Uh, they bring in some actually likable characters, and you, at least from my point of view, you do care about some of these characters and you know just the interactions that they have, and I think there's some really good relationships that are built on screen that people can get behind. I think that's a great answer. If I can add in, though, the whole reason that we were sitting down right now to talk about this is because the Fast and Furious, uh, Fast 9 trailer, I was like, this is so crazy. I need to see this. Like, like I saw, I think I'm assuming that it's like some super, like super magnet that sends cars flying. <laughs> and then there's like this scene where like this huge, like 18 wheeler, like flips over, you know? And then there's another scene where Dom drives off in a car and like catches himself with it. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, I need to see how this is a movie, how this is a thing. And, and I, I've kind of had that thought with the trailers that I've seen for, like, Hobbs and Shaw's and even Fast 8. Like, I, I'm assuming that it has to reinvent itself because it just goes crazy. And I, and I think, that you, at least from my experience and someone who's coming into it brand new, that is absolutely why, like, like this is just so nuts. I have to watch it. So I'm, I'm curious what you think, Rob. You know, I think part of the appeal to this is the same appeal that we have with other films like Ocean's Eleven and Gone in 60 Seconds. You know, it's it's we're going out and we're we're pulling a job with with our friends, you know, and then we sit in the backyard and we drink beers together. You know, it's there's there's a lot of things about Gone in 60 Seconds that actually parallels this film in some ways. Um, and it's actually that's a better film. But, you know, it, everybody has this fantasy of like, just we're going to tear it up on the town. You know, like if, if you're going out with a bunch of your friends, all right, everybody, leave your phones on in case we need bailed out. We need somebody to call. Like we're going to Vegas. Like, uh oh, you know, things are going to go nuts. Like everybody has these fantasies about, you know, them and their crew uh, just going a little nuts and, and going, you know, way, way out there. And, and in this film, that's kind of what it is. It's if they're actually doing all the things people say they're going to go pretend to do. Um, so there's, I think there's a little bit of a fantasy element that people have when, when they watch a film like this, um, that, you know, these characters are, are going out and, you know, actually doing the things they, they pretend they would love to do or fantasize about being able to do. 
Oh, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, sorry, I I want to add one more thing. When you you know Harrison, when you were like, I literally wanted to start this franchise because of the trailer, and said this is crazy. Like I have to see this. I also think to a degree with this movie, like well with these movies, it has gone so over the top. But at the same time, I never feel like it has insulted the audience because they openly admit how like dumb and over the top it is there's some movies that try to be like oh this is the most realistic thing ever and they try to act like they're smart and they're you know on cutting edge and i think that's what will turn fans off to those movies is like look don't insult me like i like i get it it's stupid but you try to act like you're a citizen kane or something like that uh this movie like like these movies don't do that I don't think they try to insult the audience with, hey, this is technically, I say in parentheses here, a good movie. It's supposed to just be fun. And I think to the the people that can separate and say, you know, look, I'm just turning my brain off and I'm having fun, you get enjoyment out of these movies. But if you're sitting here going, well, this is not a good movie, it doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, you're never going to like it because they're not trying to have it make sense. They're just they're trying to have a good time and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think in this day and age, like you need to be a snob about like, Oh, well, if you have to turn your brain off to and enjoy a movie, it's terrible. Like, okay. Wow. You, the two of you answered the question that I genuinely have not been able to answer for like the last three weeks. And you answered it so well. So good job. I, I granted for the last three weeks, I hadn't seen a single fast and furious film. I hadn't really ever talked to someone about one. I haven't ever devoted much brain power to a single thing about it besides just why do people watch these? Like, why? Uh, and I am genuinely excited to watch the next one because I'm excited to finally be a part of this crazy ride that the Fast and Furious is. Like, I think that it's just like, let me say this the right way. I may not love every single film or every single moment, but I think that I will enjoy enjoying the ridiculousness of it, if that makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to, that we're doing this. The, the, the Fast and Furious saga is happening at the Basin Bench, and I'm super glad to have the two of you here with me. So we're going to close out this episode by revealing who the rotten is. Uh, and I... I have no idea what's going to happen because my rating has definitely changed based off this conversation we had because of the two of you. So you may have just uh, undone your, your own chances of winning, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So uh, because it is Matt's thing, Matt's thing to rate it out of five reels, we're going to let him go first to give us his rating. First time ever on the basement binge that we're getting an actual rating besides Pick Your Poison. So this is special. Mark the date, everyone, that you're listening to this episode, that there was an actual rating on the basement bench and not a poison. So anyway, Matt, the floor is yours. Five reels. What would you give it? Um, yeah. So I just very quickly before I give my rating, I just want to say, Rob, you've, you've seen Zoolander, right? Oh, yes, I have. So I feel like Harrison doing this and subjecting himself to watching like eight of these before the ninth one is like the scene where they try to brainwash Zoolander into killing the prime minister. 
like and I'm just putting <laughs> images at him. Like I can just like I just have a picture in my head, Harrison, like with his eyes wide open and just like the fat, like him looking at me, wait, what am I supposed to do? Like what's going on here? But, <laughs> so with that being said, my rating actually for this again based off of just pure I can watch this and enjoy it and don't care about how ridiculous it is and how it doesn't make sense I literally give this movie four reels I can still watch this movie to this day not skip anything and just go yeah fast and furious but again I have a little bit deeper connection to it because I have watched all of the saga I was excited to see fast nine just because I've been through all of these movies. So again, a lot of my appreciation for some of these other movies does come from the fact of the franchise as a whole. So it's hard for me to just look individually at a movie. So I take this as the building block of what some of these characters have been through on this journey of the fast series. So I, I give this four reels. All right. Well, I think that Rob and I were smart not to vote you as the Ryan. <laughs> so, uh, Rob, give us your real rating. Yeah, uh, two reels. Um, you know, this is, uh, like I said, it, it's not that I dislike this movie. It's ridiculous, and I, and I actually sort of enjoy it. But trying to um, actually think critically about some of the things we're seeing, you know, some of the dialogue, like I said earlier, is not good at all. There's... There's so many parts of this that really don't hold up. And I and it's not even like we're talking about a movie that's that old. This movie came out in 2001. It's 20 years ago. It's not that old in terms of, of, of films. Um, and man, there's some stuff that when you rewatch it, you just cringe when you see it or, or hear some of the dialogue. It's just, it's not great. Um, you know, just so many things that are, are hard to overlook. Like, so you're a truck driver, okay? And you're driving. You got a you load of stuff behind you. And somebody pulls in front of you, and uh, and they pop out of the sunroof with a harpoon, and you just keep <laughs> driving. And so then, dude shoots the harpoon through your window, and and it hits the passenger seat, and you just keep driving, like you don't hit the brakes or, or try to do anything to get yourself out of that situation. Like there's so many things that are just like I said, it, most of this movie you can pause it, ask the question, what is happening and why, and you really don't have much of an answer. Um, it is fun. It is kind of. You know, just throw popcorn in your face and, and have a good time. Um, and you can certainly do that. But um, to me, it's two reels. All right. Well, the drum roll the, for my rotten rating, that the two of you increased by a full star rating. It was going to be, at the beginning of this, one and a half stars. Like, really, like, this is crazy. Like, what is this? There's some redeemable parts about it, but mainly it's a mess to now just a solid two and a half stars where there's things about it that I like for what it I think it's going to lead to and the ridiculousness that it is. Like, there's still parts about it that I really don't like. The editing is really bad. For a movie being all about driving cars, like, it, especially when we have movies like the Italian Job remake from uh, F. Gary Gray, which I just love that movie because they got the actual actors to drive the cars and it, like, the film is great because of that. Like the amount of times that you get the wide shot of the stunt person driving the car to then like the close up of the actor. I'm like, no, like it just, it, it irks me. Uh, so there's things about it that like clearly would make it difficult for me to rewatch, but I will 
especially because of this conversation that I had with the two of you. Very, very similar to the I'm having, you know, flashbacks to the episode with Valerian with Matt, where like the movie isn't the greatest thing ever, but there's something about the conversation that I've now had about it that makes my memory of it that much more fonder. So two and a half. So my reels is two and a half reels. Matt's was four, which Rob was right about that. Matt being the one to like it the most. And then Rob at two. So that means just barely because of the two of you, I won the first uh, rummage for the rotten with Rob being the rotten. So that, that was a ton of fun. This, uh, that was a fun new segment, which I'm excited to do going forward as the two of you are able to come back on uh, for the next few episodes. I know, Rob, that you are a busy man, so you may not be here for everyone, but whenever you're able to make it, we're glad to have you. So we're going to close out this episode here. That was really, I, I appreciate the two of you being here a ton, especially because for those of you who don't know, we are in different time zones and it's like 11.30 their time right now, p.m., 11.30 p.m., so I really appreciate the two of you to, to make the time to be here. And also, I'm stoked for two days from now to talk about Loki with the two of you. So if you're interested in that, definitely jump in the show notes, head over to Matt Goes to the Movies, or just search for Matt Goes to the Movies wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I'm going to give him one last plug to for, the, for his podcast, but also, Rob, I know that you also have things you're doing. It may not be a podcast, but is there anything you want to plug or anything you want to say as we close this out? Uh, nothing in particular to plug because I am so busy with all of my video editing projects as it is that, uh, yeah, it's tough to plug anything else. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, always looking forward to the next time that Matt and I can put together, uh, some kind of video, video project. We might do a video episode someday. Um, yeah, I, I uh, put together a fun one for the Star Wars episode that all three of us did. So, uh, if you haven't had a chance, it's on all of Matt's social media stuff. You can, uh, you can go check that out, but yeah, I am. Um, so excited for Loki uh, comes out tomorrow, uh, and I'm even more excited to uh, sit down once again, like we have for all of the Disney Plus shows for the last year, and uh, hang out with you guys, and uh, you know try to break it down a little bit and, and see what see what points I missed, and theorize all the different ways that we're going to be totally and completely wrong about what's <laughs> going to be happening. Probably uh, <laughs> the most fun. Um, you know, it's it's interesting as I've talked to people who have watched all the shows and then said they went back and listened to our recap episode <laughs> oh, after no. they'd seen all the shows. <laughs> I had the exact same reaction. said, no! Oh my God, no! I probably saw like the biggest moron in the entire world because I thought that was going to be a thing and it turns out it was wrong. Um, so so don't do that to me. Listen listen to them as they happen. <laughs> I, yes, definitely. Because they, they are so fun. Those theories we come up with is like one of my favorite things about those episodes. So definitely... If you haven't watched WandaVision or The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or if you have, or even The Mandalorian Season 2 and Season 1, go check out Matt's episodes on that. The three of us did a lot of them together, and they were a blast. Um, I'm super pumped for Loki, I gotta say, especially with Ra uh, Rob to throw him some theory about Ralph Boner showing up. <laughs> I'm, I'm already preparing myself for it. So, so, yeah, anyway, Matt, the floor yeah. is yours. You know, right. Say whatever you want. You know, but keep it appropriate. This is this is a family show. Yes, after all. yes, yes. No, um, yeah, uh, super excited to do Loki. Um, you know, like like I said earlier, I've got Spiral from the Book of Saw coming up. Uh, we just did uh, Harrison. You and I just did a Quiet Place too, which was really fun. Rob and I did a review for Mortal Kombat, which was a lot of fun as well. They're always a blast. Loki, I'm just unbelievably looking forward to and i am in all honesty knowing what the next movie is in the franchise uh 
Rob, I can't remember if you were able to join for that one as well. Like, I'm actually like super excited to talk about Too Fast, Too Furious because Harrison, strap in for that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's, oh man, I I cannot imagine your face during that movie. Because it's not because it's ridiculous. I think it's, agree that that's probably the worst movie out of all of them i think i don't know at least in my view um that that is it's so weird um, but i love how ridiculous it, it is so you know that's all thank you so much for you know letting uh you know us be a part of this uh it's super it's a lot of fun glad when we can do these things but yeah you know the the show Matt goes to the movies will be in the notes you can look at that it's on all major platforms so you know if you're ever because of this episode thank you so much i you know i hope you find something that you like in there a bunch of episodes to talk about but uh I can't wait for the next time we're all together, which is just a few days from now. I know. I know. That's crazy to think about, especially with the Loki. Like, I remember when we, whether it was WandaVision or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I don't remember. But we were talking about, like, man, Loki is so far away. Like, it's and it's here. Like, tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to be watching the first Loki episode, which I'm just, just absolutely pumped about. Thrilled, especially to be talking about it with the two of you. So, um, if the two, if anyone listening wants a great episode to listen to from Matt Goes to the Movies episode. Obviously, I would recommend all of the Disney Plus shows that we just talked about, but I'm specifically going to plug three episodes that I really, really love from Matt's show. Batman Begins, again, because his take about it and how it is a great Batman film is one that I love and makes me really, really excited to rewatch that film. Uh, the Power Rangers episode, because that one was just a ton of fun. And then lastly, the... Ju- or. Uh, the Justice League, the Snyder Cut, uh, the Zack Snyder's Justice League, whatever it's called. That was a fun episode to listen to as well. Uh, listening to Matt's show is just like, it's... It, I agree with what Matt said at the beginning. Yeah. Listening to podcasts is difficult for me because I have to find people that I either really enjoy something about them or they're like super engaging. And Matt, you found a way to very comfortably capture both of those when I listen to yourself. So definitely go check those out. If you enjoy The Basin Binge and you're looking for more, Check out Matt Goes to the Movie. So we'll close it out here. I really, really do appreciate both of you a ton. This this has been a blast. I This episode would have been like 15 minutes if I did it by myself. <laughs> and it would have been like all the things I disliked about it. So thanks for making it interesting. Thanks for increasing my rating uh, and hyping me up for Too Fast, Too Furious, whatever that is going to be. And I guess we'll talk in two days about Loki. So thank you again both for being here. I really, really do appreciate it. But... That is all for now. My name is Harrison. This is The Basin Binge. Ciao, ciao. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.